On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we talk about the clear cooperation policy. We talk about dual agency, office exclusives, and a leadership gap in residential real estate. It's going to be an incredible show. You talk about it privately. We talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Dwiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, aka Crazy Uncle Keith. Yes, sir. Tell us about Jessica Edgerton, the Chief Legal Officer for Leading Real Estate Companies of the World. She is awesome. Don't hold it against her. Even if she is an attorney, she's great. We had a thoughtful debate on a whole bunch of different topics. We talked about clear cooperation. We talked about office exclusives. We got in a really robust debate around dual agency. Yes, we did. And then the leadership. Yes, we did. And the leadership gap in the industry. Uh, a great thought exercise conversation that I think everyone should listen to. It's going to be a great show. Tune in. Jessica, welcome to the show. We are super excited to, to have you here. Um, you know, we, uh, we have a lot to talk about today and there's no drama in residential real estate <laughs> right <laughs> None, now. So like, there's, yeah. we were Not struggling really anything going on for all the listeners and viewers. We were struggling with topics to talk about today and, and have opinions on it. So, Knitting? um, Crochet, yes. knitting, and crochet, yes. yes. Yeah. Underwater basket weaving—that was hot, another one. Hot paint colors for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jessica, start oh, us out. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about who you work for, your background, and how you got into the position you are today. Fantastic. So uh, I'm Chief Legal Officer and uh, EVP of Industry and Learning for Leading Real Estate Companies of the World. For those who don't know who Leading RE is, we are a global network of independent brokerages. We represent um, about 70 plus member brokers around the world, all of the top independent com uh, companies in, in, in the world and in their local marketplaces. And we have an umbrella of about 130,000 agents. Wow. Um, we were born from a broker to broker referral network, which is still one of our core um, offerings, but we are also now we've expanded to a pretty, ex pretty uh, broad suite of ancillary services as well, including uh, learning, training, marketing, luxury, uh, the list goes on and we hold some of the coolest and most fun events in the industry. Yeah. Didn't experience. you guys just have like an event in Paris or something? Did I, re or, or Dubai, or, Dubai. Dubai. Oh, sorry. My yeah. bad. Yeah. So, yeah. No, Paris sorry. is so 2022. Yeah. Wow. Well, James, um, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, submit, uh, no. my travel request Denied. for 2020. Oh. Denied. Right. Wow. Uh, that is awesome, by the way. And you were just recently promoted, I believe, to chief legal officer. So congratulations on you. that. Super Thank excited you. for you. Well, being uh, that you are a lawyer, we're going to talk about a lot of lawyer stuff today. And I'm Yay. sure you have zero opinions <laughs> on any of it. So. I have no opinions on anything. I'm going to be a great podcast. Um, somehow I think you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually like people to be as Keith and I, for the viewers and listeners, we always tell our guests that our goal is to push you right up to the point of getting fired, and then we pull you back ten percent. Right. That's right. kind Paul, of Paul. Are target. you listening? This yeah, is exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we dive into all of our main questions, we always like to ask our guests three questions so they get to know you a little bit, and these are rapid fire, so we'll do them fast. Okay. Uh, I'll start with the first. If you were a superhero, who would it be? And why? The Incredible Hulk, obviously, yes. because there would be very little costume change required. Oh, my God. By the and way, do you know? As all good lawyers can do, there can be some real rapid turns of uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're least expecting. Yeah, that's my secret. I'm always angry. Is that basically what you're saying? Like, yeah, totally. I, like I have. Horrible disposition. Do you see the uh, thing in the top right hand corner of Keith above Keith's shoulder? Yeah. So you understand why he was excited. Oh! Yeah. Oh you just noticed it? Mm -hmm. yes! right. Mm -hmm. All right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Nice. Yeah. I'm officially no longer part of this podcast. This nope. is now nice you and see Keith. You, James. See yeah. you guys. I'm I'll out. take number two. <laughs> the Hulk's the best. He man. Is the and best. the wardrobe. I mean, come oh, on. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Okay. Num question number two, but that's the best answer we've ever had to uh superhero. Um Favorite book or podcast this year and why? Well, this podcast, obviously. I mean, um, duh. Right? I mean, come on. You guys, duh. by the way, I mean, you guys have just recently launched and you are 
We're shooting for the top 100 podcasts on Apple right now, and we're a little proud of it. So. No, you guys are amazing, truly. Um, in terms of books, I am really enjoying Sapiens, A Brief History of mm. Mankind right it's now. It is fantastic, um, and it really is kind of an interesting narrative given everything that's happening in our industry right now. Sure. It's about how communication and narrative, and in some cases, um, false narratives can <laughs> proliferate and um, can really sort of change that have changed the landscape. It's it's why we won over the Neanderthals. Yeah, it's basically why humans are stupid. In it's it's kind of why and yeah. why we are not long for this world. It's yeah. kind of a yeah. devastating uh, yeah. a portrait of what we're all in for from a species yeah. we're, perspective. So. We're bad decision makers, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's a great book. That's a good and one. we believe really weird stuff. So. We do. We that do. is. Social like media social media that. has nothing to do with that, by the no. way. <laughs> um, if you could have lunch with one person, current or historical, who would it be and why? So um, I actually would probably, this is, this is sentimental, Aww, um, but it's, it's something that, um, you know, I, I would love to go back and sit back down with my great with my grandfather who i never got to ask he was a fascinating man he was a quaker he was a um during world war ii he actually um was a part of a peaceful um uh resistance mm. he went out and saved dozens of children from nazi germany and i because he passed away and actually suffered from alzheimer's towards the end i never got the full narrative from him and the full story from him so it's it's one of my greatest regrets um but has also taught me now to really ensure that i am collecting the narratives and the stories from those who i am lucky enough to still have in my life so my that was a really good answer by the way and uh i didn't relate to you on the first two but i did on this last one because my grandfather was my one of my mentors um, oh, wow. and, and, yeah. uh, that's a different story at a different time, but that was awesome. So everybody gets to know you a little bit. All right. So we do have to segue. Let's go the opposite direction. Um, <laughs> and we have a series of questions and obviously there's a lot going on in our business right now. I, yeah. I feel like, I mean, I've been in this my whole life, some third generation, and I feel like this is definitely the most interesting and being politically correct time for <laughs> our industry between complicated, complicated, yeah. yeah. etc. I like interesting because there is an ancient Chinese curse. Um, if you want to really curse someone, you say, may you live in interesting times. Oh, oh I'm going to see. By the way, we have this thing Keith and I do. Keith inserts words into something during the day, like some word that nobody's ever heard before and sees <laughs> yeah. anybody picks up on it. He does it every yeah. day. It's hilarious. So no. you make them up sometimes or are these actually pulled? No, usually I'll ask someone, give me a word to sneak in. And then they'll pick some obscure word and I've got to try to work it out. He has to figure out how to put it into a sentence during the day. So yeah. Yeah, we're very strange. Anyway, all right. So let's start with this. There, we, Everybody knows about um, the Morel uh, and Burnett. And Not MLS everyone, pin. unfortunately. Okay. Right. Everyone, that listens, everyone that listens to this. This does. podcast yeah. will know about it. Um, <laughs> we don't want to talk about that right now because that's, everybody kind of has updates on that. What I want to just, just address somewhat quickly is just some of the other cases that people aren't aware of, not to yeah. add more to it, but I think they're important. Um, and I think this first one ties into a subject that we'll go deep on. But there's the TAN PLS cases yeah. um, that have been happening. And just give... The listeners, viewers, just a very brief, just quick synopsis of what those cases are, because I think it fits into the clear cooperation policy, which no, we're going to discuss. Yeah, so. sure. So very, very briefly, these are two cases that have been out there for a while now. Um, the focus has obviously been on on um, Merle and Burnett and all of the rest of the big um, the big cases that are making the headlines right now. But TAN and PLS um, were both cases out on the out on the West Coast. Um with corporate plaintiffs claiming that uh, who had business models essentially allowing for off MLS um, listings and public facing platforms that would allow their um, their agents and participants to put out non MLS listings into the into the ecosystem. And it was like a, with Tan, like you had to be a certain production level to be yes, part of it, and like there yeah. was. 
Yeah, which is interesting because of some of the some of the uh, judges' claims that uh, they were in fact participating in anti that there was that their business model was anti competitive. Sure. Yeah. Um, but not to not to go down that rabbit hole. Um, both of these cases um, claimed that NAR's clear cooperation policy, which was <clears throat> implemented in 2019 um, or or came down November 2019, implemented in 2020, basically killed their business model, right. and that this amounted to antitrust and a group boycott against their business models. Um, the cases were dismissed at the lower level. Both have now been revived and remanded for further trial. Um, the interesting thing here is, I mean, clear cooperation has been a beleaguered, um, a beleaguered policy for years now. Um, lots of problems there. Um, whatever happens at the trial level and given the tenor of what's been happening across the ecosystem in terms of, of antitrust, I do not hold much hope. Uh, for the defendants in this case, uh, NAR, I, I, I am a little concerned, or, or I, not necessarily concerned. Clear, clear cooperation, I do, I do feel is problematic. I don't know that the defendants have a very well, good chance. Isn't it really anything that looks like collusion, or even like rhymes with collusion, that it's probably going to get in trouble or pulled away or redacted or reduced? I mean, I, it these are civil cases, mm -hmm. right? Um, the Department of Justice has uh, submitted amicus briefs here. So uh, I, I've made the analogy in the past that um, the Department of Justice in all of these civil cases, TAN and PLS, which focus on clear cooperation and the Merle Sitzer, et cetera, um, have sort of they occasionally have been, they've hiding in the bushes. They're clearly looking at what's happening. They will occasionally pop out, file an amicus brief, et cetera, and then slip back into the bushes. I don't think that that's what we are going to be seeing going forward. I think we are going to be seeing a very strong presence. I mean, we just saw it with the pin case. Um, They're making noise, sustained noise now. And I think that we're going to continue to see. All right. So let's, let me, let me unpack this just for, just a quick second. So yeah. let's go back. Clear cooperation policy was enacted because, and I'm going to, because it's the pod that I'm on, so I get to say what I want. I is, have a feeling you're not about to say because of uh, fair housing. Uh, no, I'm actually going to say because uh, of greed. And uh, I'm going to go deeper. Um, you know, I remember down here in the Bay Area, uh, MLS listings at one point before CCP had 30% of the listings were off market. Um, and it was a huge problem because I, and I, I'm, I am firmly in the camp, the intended outcome of CCP, what it is trying to do is not wrong. I'm not going to say that it was implemented correctly and is not being enforced correctly. Right. I think the intent is correct in that sellers are being, uh, told directly we can do this off market, blah, 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 blah. And the reality is that it will benefit you off market, right? right? It, it, not only can we, but yeah. you will, you will see benefits it's, and you're not from, Angelina and Jolie going through it. Right. And that, and that's, and everyone's like, oh, I have clients that, you know, want to be that way. I'm like, well, first of all, none of you represent Angelina Jolie. So just stop. Secondly, that's like one, one hundredth of 1% of the clients that do that. People, I think, and I've talked to consumers, they're getting this message from people that this is a better way to go when proven statistically, and I forget the exact number, but if you list it in the MLS, your house sells for some percentage higher, yep. period, factual information. So NAR is not wrong in trying to do this. I think the intent is correct. I look at it like when you look at all the decisions that have been made, CCP was sort of the icing on the cake for this conspiracy that yeah. all these other civil cases are yeah. using. So I, I have to ask you this question because and this is this is completely off script now. Like, where is if the DOJ and the FTC, which we should talk about as well, yeah, their intent is wanting consumers to to actually be benefited. They don't want things to harm consumers. How is CCP harming consumers? Um, so I mean, it's I, a good question. <laughs> it is a good question. Um, I think that uh when it comes to the CCP, the harm is, first of all, this is there, there's consumers and then there's, uh, there's our brokers. So let me start, sure. let me start with some of our brokers, as you know, leading re represents very yeah, large brokers ones. all the way yeah. down to small to mid-sized. One of the initial issues that I have with clear cooperation 
is that it didn't do what it was supposed to do, which was create more robust data in the MLS and get everybody to actually put their listings into the MLS. Okay. And the reason for that is there is an office exclusive carve out. Okay. The office exclusive carve out is an extremely powerful tool for big companies. Right. And I won't use any names here, but there was one in particular that, um, you know, brilliant or evil or whatever you want to call it, following clear cooperation, this is a big national brand, put on their public facing website, uh, privacy is the new luxury. Yeah. And so they were feeding in. And so buyers who wanted to get the full scope of their of their uh, of the picture of, of, of what's available on the market would then need to contact a, a buyer's agent here. The right. sellers were being told that putting their uh, putting their their listing off MLS was a sign of luxury and status. Right. Um, they're being told they're being they're directed being this, this way out of greed, um, out of out of. Sure, we can. <laughs> you call don't have it to agree with my word. Yeah, I'm just I mean, call it. <laughs> you're gonna make more money, right? right. You've got your own little right. fiefdom over there, right. right? And they're able to do that because they are a big brand. So our our local boutique brands, who are are small to mid sized, they can't recruit agents against that. They can't recruit buyers and sellers against that. Um, and it is it is creating um, a real unfair advantage that didn't ever need to be so but um, what about what about in the situations where there is and you don't have to just be Ange, angelina jolie going through a divorce i mean that's an extreme example, sure. right but moving, you might you might just be someone city. you might just be someone who doesn't want their stuff on the street okay so how, but, how do you balance but i think that two? somebody who doesn't want their stuff on the street has not mm -hmm. been appropriately educated by their agent about okay. how much more i don't want my stuff on the street versus i want whatever the percentage is, 15,000 sure. more mm -hmm. from selling my home. Right. The, I but mean, there are there people are, who might pick that, right? Sure. And don't we For need danger, some... like they're being stalked or they're switching jobs and they don't want their, <laughs> their you know. Boss to know. Or there whatever. are ways in my mind, in my in my opinion, and, and because we all know how MLSs work, mm -hmm. for that data to be available in the MLS to create a, a, a robust Without without public without publishing it, right. you don't right. have to push it. So to it's zero. in the MLS. People can see it. You know the properties there. Other people can bring buyers to it, but it's not necessarily. I'm making this up. It's not on Zillow or somebody else. It's not exactly. public, right? So yep. I don't know that now. The original intent, and I, I hear you on the on the on the greed factor. But another narrative put out by NAR when Clear Cooperation dropped was. There are fair housing issues here. There is a real need to ensure that everybody has access to the same inventory, especially in a market right now where there's no inventory, right? Um, and certain uh, consumers are just aren't going to be able to access all of the data, fair housing, et cetera. Um, I think that's real, but clear cooperation, I, I, I candidly, I don't think that it solved that problem. And I think the office exclusive uh, because of the office office exclusive carve out, basically, gave it's a big a, part of it. It's well, you're part. seeing that with EXP now. Yeah, That's, they're literally exploiting that too with their new with their new product. It's that big brokerages are finding ways to essentially. <laughs> I'm going to make this statement: publicly traded big brokerages are finding ways to prop up stock price, and one of the ways to do that is to you know gather a disproportionate share of the market, um, and it is. In my, is what's what's funny is I've been around this business long enough. I, I sound old, but I actually have been around this business long enough yes. to remember the MLS book. Both mm -hmm. my parents would go get it once a month. I remember they'd go to something called Multiple and they would sit down and get the new book before there was the internet. Like literally, I remember these days. And we're talking about taking things back to the way it was, which is you had to figure out and call every freaking company to figure out what properties are for sale. That's how it's done in Europe. I mean, if I you want to buy a second home I in know. Portugal, guess what you do? You walk into a brokerage, say, show me what you got. And then you walk down the street and say it again. And then you walk down the street again and say it again. Yeah, it is. Which is, I mean, we're referring back to Merle and Sitzer and all the rest of it. But these, you know, plaintiffs experts who are saying, well, look at Europe. Well, look at all, you know, yeah, it's not the same thing. It's right. not the yeah. same thing. Right. Right. And, and it, it right. doesn't it's not work. Not Right. It's not an our system market. works. They're blowing something up that is so pro-consumer. Yeah. What about what about coming soon? Since that's something that is, 
I'd say not often, but done from time to time in the industry. Uh, should there be a space for something to be pre-marketed before it officially goes to market? I think so. I mean, I think that less rules rather than more in that in that capacity. Coming soon has its place. It can get abused, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there needs to, you know, be some market restraints and, and parameters around that. But I, I absolutely think there's a place for coming soon. Yeah. What, um, where do you think it goes? You said the DOJ steps out. You think the DOJ is going to come in and end it? Like, or the, or the, by the way, or the FTC? Uh, well, everybody, <laughs> everybody is not looking at the fact the FTC has complete the authority. FTC. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, Biden's executive order opened uh -huh. up a whole other can of worms. By the way, that's ago. not a political statement for it's listeners and viewers. It's not a political statement. The Biden administration gave an executive order in 2021, yeah. July of 2021, that gave the FTC commissioner complete authority to rewrite any rules that it classifies under. I believe tying is the word they're using. Which Jessica, doesn't make which sense. Doesn't make it's sense, not but... really tying, but right. sure. Right. Um, yeah. But that was a specific, I mean, it's very clear. That's clear cooperation. That mm -hmm. is, um, you know, offers of compensation. It's it's the whole shebang. So the the federal government right now is is um, absolutely, I think, going to be, you, you said, how does this end? I think it ends with the feds. I think that ultimately, no matter what happens with the cases, cases here, uh -huh. I think we are going to to ultimately see. I have been saying activity. this from the rooftops and everyone's ignoring it, going like, oh, it's just going to be optional. I'm like, you don't get it. Like, yeah. there's so much change coming. Now, to be clear, again, non-political statement, more factual. Yeah. Right now, if the current administration's in play, you can continue to expect that. If there is a potential change in administration, not saying this would happen, right. but then it becomes an opportunity for a new administration to change rules if they so choose. Is that a fair statement? I think so. And again, I don't want to get political. Not either. Um, just... But I think we all understand what the current administration's agenda is, and it's very yeah. much in line with the plan. Yes. All right. So uh, let's go one more here that I think is an interesting one. And it, by the way, no one's talking about this. We haven't even talked about it because it's just it, it was there and it was dismissed and it's back. So the leader case. Yeah. Which is now back. Not to scare well, everybody here, but like it was sort of. hanging <laughs> yeah. around the edges. Sure. I mean, I, I actually, it's if we're going to say it's back, it's back like a zombie. It's still okay. dead, but it's walking around. Okay. So give right? people some background on that because there's a little bit of a different take. A different take. Sure. Than the morale and and and, and sister. So, so and this is coming from I, I checked the federal uh, website this today that that tracks all all federal cases. Leader's not even on there right now. So something really funky. It might have gone just from zombie to to I don't Dead. know ghost or I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But 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 here's here's the situation. There is in front of Judge Wood, who that is the same federal judge, notoriously slow out of out of the uh, uh, Seventh Circuit, who is overseeing the Merle case, right. which is very much watching what's happening right now with Sister Burnett. Of course. Um, it's all, you know, she, she's not doing anything that isn't in the shadow of what's happening out of out of Missouri. Um, but she had in front of her a case leader and still does. Um, that was uh, some creative lawyers saying, oh, look at all of this, uh, you know, this this activity around antitrust and um, sellers. As we all know, Sitzer, um, yep. Burnett, uh, 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 MLS Pin, Pin. Mm -hmm. all of those cases are sellers as the plaintiffs. Those yep. are, the class action is sellers. Yeah. Some some creative lawyers, because we're all so creative when it comes to possibly lining our pockets, um, <laughs> said, hey, what about the buyers? Nobody's talking about the buyers. This is injuring the buyers as well. Let's let's get another class action lawsuit and do the buyers. Well, of course, poor Judge Wood, I wouldn't want to be here, was like, what? Nah, my life already is hell. Don't do this to me. <laughs> right. She's dealing with Merle. Um, she this was filed under federal antitrust law. She said, no, guys, absolutely not. The There is no standing under federal law for indirectly um, uh, injured plaintiffs. And in this case, you are an indirect party. The, 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 the correct lawsuit is Merle and all of the rest of the, the, the sellers are the direct, directly injured parties. You guys are indirect. Federal law doesn't allow for that. Get out. Yeah, I want to simplify ahead. this because okay. the seller is the one paying the compensation, the, the commission. Right? I, I'm with you. I'm just following the, yeah. 
the comments this you said, the, logic. the buyer, in other words, the buyer isn't the one paying the compensation. You're not harmed. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yes. Okay. But now I'm theoretically. I, I, so, so theoretically. theoretically, but yeah. all right. So now let's play this for a second. What if it, what if, because a lot of people talk about the fact that the buyer is the one that pays the compensation yeah. when they buy the house. So two, I guess two questions in my brain's thinking here, but like if, if, what if, what if that was the actual defense? Meaning like, what if it was, what if we said it was the buyer that was paying? I'm just playing hypothetical for I lawyer mean, games here. Like, wouldn't that. In, in Sitzer or Burnett and all. The yeah. It? Yeah. You know where I'm going here? <laughs> yeah, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. I'm not saying that. I'm just yeah. saying that. Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's an interesting defense. And if oh. we're going to get into sort of the fundamentals here, I don't think it matters what the defense <clears throat> is because I think that that the the train is on the tracks um, coming right. up. And, and yeah. no matter what kind of good defense there is, no, we in know my that. personal opinion, we have a... I, I haven't even finished with leader yet. We're, we're going all over the place. I know, I know, I know. But we've got a jury trial coming up. Juries like the little guy. Yeah. We mm -hmm. have a we've said this history. Yeah. Of, we've been clear about the fact these cases aren't going to go well. So like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but but back to leader, just to sort of wrap that up, because it is something to be keeping our eye on. It could pop, pop back up. There is a motion to dismiss on the table. Um, there was a there was a status call on the 21st uh, on this. But 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 uh, the 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 there has been an amended complaint filed. OK, that basically says the plaintiffs are saying, fine, you're right. Judge Wood are bad under federal law. There is no indirect um, indirect plaintiffs allowed. But guess what? Under two thirds of state federal law or state antitrust law, there is. And so there has been a new amended complaint oh, with a tie-in to state antitrust law, still with a federal hook, so it can be under under uh, federal law, um, that allows for indirect standing. And that is what is the potential zombie uh, element here. Hmm. Because it's, it's, I mean, it's a decent argument, right? Yeah. So I, knowing Judge Wood, very, very possibly nothing is going to happen until after not only we yeah, have a full resolution of out of out of Missouri, but also whatever happens. Uh, I think all of the judges at play here understand that we have a federal component that is or a federal government component that's that's uh, going to be at, at play. I don't think Judge Wood is going to do much, if anything, until we have some decisions. Is it down. is it possible that the first set of lawsuits end up cleaning up whatever would be the outcome of these second Theory. set of lawsuits? Uh, what do you mean you, by first and second? Meaning you can't, you, if, if these Morel and Sitzer, well, let's just hypothetically say we, these don't go well because we all think yeah. they won't. Right. You can't have it both ways. It's one way or the other. Like if sellers are harmed, sellers are harmed, buyers can't be harmed too. Like, I mean, you can't have it both ways or can you? Have I think ways? they could have it both ways possibly. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that, I think that that might stay alive for a little while. So I'm going to change our logo from coffee to like a martini glass. So unfiltered <laughs> yeah. is like unshaken or something, yeah. you know, real estate yeah. insiders unshaken oh, or, yeah. you know, extra yeah. dirty. Yeah. yeah. Or extra, yes. dir extra dirty. All yes. right. Real All estate right. insiders, extra dirty. That's, that's like our it. new slogan. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I'm, you know, I'm down, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm getting red in the face. Let's keep going. We so um, a different audience. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have a few more questions we want to get. Um, so what should brokers and agents be doing? So you're obviously in charge of, you know, education and, and things yeah. as well at, at Leading RE. So what are you, what are you having your constituency doing and how are you preparing them for the I next mean, 12, 18 months? So a lot of it comes down, a, a lot of what's been already talked about, right? The obvious stuff is ensure that your buyer uh, agents are using buyer representation agreements, but don't just ensure that they're using them, teach them how to use it. Mm -hmm. Buyer agents are extremely uncomfortable with it. Teach them how to have that conversation. Teach them the value. Teach them that it is a value to them and their consumers to use these things. So that's number one. Number two, tell your explain to train your buyer agents um, to basically approach potential consumers the way listing agents approach a listing. Uh, sure. a, a listing engagement, right? Uh, talk about your presentation. So yeah. all of that, we know we've talked about that stuff. I think what isn't getting talked about uh, right now is 
Um, and this is still in the educational tranche. There's there's other stuff that I think the industry needs to be doing, especially when it comes to, you know, what what happens uh, if if all of this comes to be. We we can talk about that in a minute in terms of uh, in terms of what this could possibly do to buyers and consumers, especially first time VA. Uh, you know, I, I, there is a fair housing element here as well mm -hmm. um, with folks not being able to afford representation and what that looks like. Um, but but in terms of just pure training, I think something that is not being talked enough about is we need to start also talking to our listing agents about the dual representation issues mm -hmm. that are going to come up here. Because if we are dealing with an ecosystem where a lot of Buyers are out there flailing around like zombies, unrepresented, not knowing what the heck is going on, not knowing how to deal with it. If those listing agents want to close the deal, there are going to be some fuzzy lines there for them to try to walk these folks through things. And um, you think this could turn into an increase in dual agency or do you think dual agency is going I to I think go there away? is a danger that they're not necessarily. Yes, I do think so. Um, and I think that's a huge problem because I don't like dual agency. Amen. Um, it's to be clear know, for listeners and viewers, we're talking about the same agent representing both sides of the deal, agent. not the brokerage. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because right. by the way, question. agency is subjective by state. I've learned that this whole country is a disaster on how they operate. Oh, yeah, we've got oh, my so God. many styles and flavors yeah. and fashions. Florida, and whew, you guys are a trouble with transaction broker. Transaction Woo. brokers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But but what but my concern is not just okay, actual dual agency happening in the whatever 40, 39, what is nine it's nine I guess, states it's banned. Nine states currently. that it's yeah. banned. So yeah. all of those other states, you can do it fine, not fine, but sure, be clear, understand what that means. But I think we're gonna be dealing with, and this is my phrase, I'm just making it up, but de facto dual agency situations right. where they're not really representing but they are they're gonna get sued here's our next round of class action lawsuits just waiting to happen 100 percent. by the way true fact talk to our uh the largest insurance carrier for eno coverage for yeah. for our firm she said 85 percent, 85 percent of all claims are related around dual agency yeah! Sorry, I'm getting shrieky. Yeah, that percent. was. Yeah. You, my dog just freaked out. Sorry, our <laughs> yeah. listeners. I'm so sorry I good. got yeah. so shrill, but I'm so, very passionate about it. I actually agree with you both, but it's a boring pot if we all just agree, right? So, um, Let's yeah, smash. I mean, just a little bit, but just a little. Uh, what about new homes, for example? Basically, every one of those is dual agency. Are you fine with it in those instances? Like, I mean, there, there are places where dual agency happens and the consumer is actually okay with it and probably not damaged right i think that there are ways to make it not be dual agency and i think we need to look at that i'm an attorney so how would a builder if i were that? ever to represent two you know two people on opposite sides of the table i would be disbarred yeah no i look yes i i understand that i mean with new that. construction which hopefully we will be seeing more of and and new homes <laughs> he's gonna press you on this by the way you're gonna have to well, answer yeah, well, i just mean like <laughs> we can't like we can't increase the cost of new homes by another point and a half because we have to pay right. a buyer side right they can't hire their own buyer's agents and their own seller's agents and have them basically smash their heads together in new home developments and increase the cost so like how would we do that Oh, uh, you're putting me on the spot to come up with a whole new business model. You're right. You're right. But, it's not fair. You I know, guess, yeah. I'm, I, I'm with you all that I agree. I guess maybe it's just the, uh, <clears throat> out of the, the libertarian roots that I have, right? I hate absolutes. Absolutes drive me crazy because there I are edge it. use cases that happen all the time where if a human being wants efficiency and they're okay maybe they inherited a property and all they want to do is make it go away and get the lump sum of cash because they're launching a new business and they need the half a million bucks in their bank account right and if they just want efficiencies and not on the market and sell it this weekend and i'm fine if you're a dual agent people should be allowed to make a non-optimal financial decision if it's what they really want to do and big point to which i think we all agree they also understand the ramifications of that decision and I think that's a big part of it. I mean, just to 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 be the peacekeeper here, sure, maybe there are places where dual agency can work. Um, but I think that it is an extremely dangerous proposition to um, 
to put dual agency into play, especially when it comes to first time vote time home buyers, especially in environments like like the one that we're dealing with now, totally. where there's a lot of desperation, there is a lot of confusion. Um, and I think that if we um, if we have situations where dual agency is the norm, is prevalent. we are going to put consumers at an extreme disadvantage. 100%. And yeah. agents are will get sued by disappointed consumers yeah, and confused I, I, consumers. Can I add? To James's earlier point, I mean, whether or not we want to say that clear cooperation was born from greed or, or you know, I, oh, I, I mean, we are, <laughs> okay, we are a commercial industry right mm -hmm. we are we are all out to make money there is no shame in that um and if you have dual agency as the norm and you have everybody out there just pro dual agency and let's do this the consumers will lose yeah and I the agree. Consumers for the, will sue and for the record i'm i'm steel manning uh, the other side of a debate that i don't believe <laughs> i i represented buyers and sellers <laughs> i never once did dual agency um, I would specifically tell my clients, even if I had a listing and one of the buyers that I was repping wanted to write on it, I referred them to another agent just for that transaction. Yeah. Uh, personally, I do think it is far too prevalent. I just also think there are use cases in which it makes sense. So long sure. as the human Angelina being, Jolie. yes, or someone just wants <clears throat> speed, right? You can, you can yeah. sacrifice optimization of cash for speed if you're selling your home. Sure. So one, one, I'll seal this up because I think it's a great comment, Keith, and I don't disagree with you. I can, by the way, there is an absolute, I thought many of them while you said that. Number one, you're never handling anything HR related in our company, to be clear. Facts. Like that is an absolute, like <laughs> never going to happen. Um, no, I agree. <laughs> beyond that, uh, yeah. I think there's a, there's going to be, I had this debate the other day, not debate. I was talking with somebody because they were looking for an update on the lawsuits and how I thought some of these things would play out. And one of the comments was that buyer representation is going to go away. I'm like, oh, no, that's completely no. the opposite of everything. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to calm the F down for a minute, okay? Yeah. There's going to be changes. Uh, they go, well, it's going to become more of a flat fee uh, or hourly or menu. I said, well, first of all, it won't be hourly unless all of you want to hire people because our IRS carve out that we have for the independent contractor status specifically states in that, that rule, you can't charge hourly. So to be clear, not yeah. going to happen unless you guys yeah. want to make everybody, uh, employees. Number two, Foxton's purple bricks, Rex. I can go down an entire list of companies that came into this market in the U S with a flat fee program and, and all filed bankruptcy. They all right. file bankruptcy. I'm not saying that this won't work. I'm saying that yeah. it has not been proven out in this in this industry. Um, consumers, for whatever reason, don't they they perceive discount fees as discount services, and so they therefore want to go to full service. And you can see the swing depending upon the market. My comment, though, and we'll move on to this last question: is I do think, Keith, to your point, there needs to be opportunity, but. A builder could refer it out and there could be agents that do basic services, menu of services. We will help write your contract. We will do it for this mm -hmm. fee specifically. It's not then, you know, the standard quote unquote compensation that somebody might charge. Which and as much as you hate Florida kind of sounds a little bit. A little bit. Florida-ish. Right? Florida-ish. Yeah. Florida yeah. Look, I, I, my Don Quixote-esque windmill tilting is around affordability because I think that's the biggest threat. Yeah to our industry and to home ownership. And so whenever I think about it through that lens, yes, there we could do a different pod and probably spend 30 minutes and come up with two or three or even four really solid, easy business models for how new home sales could do it. Every single one of those would increase the sales price of those new homes, which is something that I'm pretty passionately against. And the risk of, you know, people when they buy from a builder, I've heard countless stories of like, oh, I thought I was doing this and I got that. And there's mm -hmm. this rule. I mean, there's the idea of, um, I love this comment because we have a pod coming out with um, Damien Ailes, the new CEO of Realtor.com. And he's from Australia. And he was talking about how absolutely screwed up the system is over there compared yes. to here. And he was giving us stories and we're just like, holy shit. Like I didn't, people don't understand how good we have it here and it's like great. why it's important to have and somebody help represent you. Australia you know? is one of the use cases for the plaintiffs in these cases. Yeah. I know. So, I mean, I know. so here's the, we, we have two questions before we got to wrap up. This is a big one. And then Keith will wrap up at the end. He always does with his yep. final question. But so this is more of a, I'm going to make a statement because Keith and I talk about this often and then want to really get your thoughts. We feel like there is a lack of leadership in this industry right now. And I'm not, 
Everyone's going to read in this. I'm not just referring to NER. NER has its problems. We are all aware of that. I'm not the person that's saying that NER needs to go away. I think NER needs to change. It needs to grow and it needs yeah. to have some modification. But I'm also in the camp. They have a very powerful lobby that's extraordinarily important for our industry. Mm-hmm. You get Especially rid of that, our industry is screwed. Now. Right I mean, now, more than ever. Like more than ever. Yeah. So everybody's like, oh, NAR, go away. I'm like, you're an idiot. NAR. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no I'm, look, like, I'm, I'm the first person to throw you know, a snowball at somebody, but I'm also the first person to defend them and say, yeah. NAR's got a lot of problems, sure. but y'all better hope NAR doesn't go away because no we are educated kidding. enough to understand the bills that they actually squash that would literally not allow you to have a job. Now it's I'm going to get like off that soapbox. It's like being mad at the, I don't know, the people who put the pipes in your house. Like, I don't see what you guys are doing. It's like, yeah. well, turn on the faucet. Right. Yeah. So that being said, that I think one. it is fair to say that there is a lack of leadership happening in this business. It's a void. Keith, tell them about the, tell her about the presentation yeah. you did the other day that just blew yeah. my mind. Not our people, by the way, but yeah. like just a in few general. weeks ago, I spoke at an industry event. There were probably, I don't know, 150 real estate agents and a few loan officers in the room. And I said, okay, cool. Raise your hand if you've heard or know what's going on with the class action lawsuits and how it could pertain to residential real estate. Kept it as generic as humanly possible. Four hands went up. I said, awesome. Oh, no, it gets worse. I said, awesome. Hey, you four, I'm going to call on you when I finish this sentence to tell us just a quick summary of what's going on. (laughs) All four hands went down. Literally no one in the room could articulate even high level what was going on yeah that's a leadership void that's a leadership void void. so mike so our question is this before we wrap up what needs to change like where does where does what needs to happen to start allowing our industry to be aware and be educated and understand tough conversations and move forward where does that begin and where does that end so i I mean the we're dealing with 1.5 million professionals here. When the, those who are actually, actually, uh, you know, participating in the market, that's that not for long. Gets a much <laughs> smaller. That's that's true. Yes. I don't think. I think that we are a reactive industry right now, mm. and I think our leadership is used to that. I think we have all been sort of. Um, driven into a fear-based reactive mentality. And that needs to stop. I mean, our entire industry is built on um, communication. We're a sales-based industry. We are driven by communicating with each other, with our vendors, and with our consumers. And there has been, and I don't know if it's because so much is online and there's technology and there's so many sort of intermediaries that have happened, but we've lost the skill of working together. I come from a network right now that compared to NAR is much, much smaller, right? 130,000 agents. I, you know, we brag about that. That's great. Uh, we're in 70 countries, but it's a much smaller microcosm. And it is a microcosm of some of the top independent brokerages in the world um, and some of the top agents. And even there, I have trouble communicating as desperate as I am to get the message out, you know, I will have put out 50 different educational pieces on this stuff and people still, I probably, you know, would have had a a, a similar response even recently to this. So I think we are focused on reacting to the market. I think we are focused on reacting to situations. Now, all of a sudden we've been dealing with these, these lawsuits for going on what, four years. Yeah. Everyone's like, Oh, it's going to take a long time to settle. I'm like, uh, it's been going on for four years, people. No. (laughs) Yeah. So I think there needs to be from leadership a, and it sounds analog because it is, but people need to get back on the ground, Mm -hmm. stop overproducing communication, stop it, get out there. There need to be town hall meetings. There needs to be people going out and talking face to face with their Mm. constituents. Can we also agree that there just needs to be an honest conversation and stop treating people like children? Like, I I mean, love love everything through the freaking PR. Exactly. Like the VR. (laughs) I sit here and and like this is something I I do hope NER is listening to this because it's something I besides all the other comments. Be honest and transparent with people. They'll actually respect you more. Like, Which is I just, scary. I'm a lawyer. Just, and James, you're absolutely right. But I feel for Katie, I feel for the team over there because they are dealing with one of the most crucial litigation, legal situations right now. Well, really kind of a couple. When you are dealing with 
litigious situations, the the lawyer in you, the lawyer in me says, put process Don't. everything. Right. Just, just clam up. Don't right. talk because that might be more. I mean, even just just recently when NAR said, oh, actually, zero. It's not one penny. It's zero. Mm -hmm. Right. What happened? The plaintiff just gleefully. Oh, admission of guilt. You can't. It's so hard to be transparent when, when you're dealing with this kind of thing. But we have to. Yeah, we have to. As an yeah. industry, we have to talk or we're never going to get anywhere. We are yeah. frozen with fear right now. I um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I've spent a lot of time with Katie and I have, mu I have so much respect for her. I can only imagine what she's you know going through and preparing for. And at the same time, I, I also think that what NARA has to realize in all of this is that they're going to need the membership to bond with them and come around them because Keith and I have been very vocal. We all believe this is going to end in settlement. Like, yeah. That's just where we think it's going to go. It has mm -hmm. to. In order to get everybody else out of this, there has to be this global settlement. I, another podcast, another time. But yeah. But I also but I, think I, that, I agree. I mean, there is going to be so much room for copycatting if we don't. Get it's as soon up. as it happens, the pressure is going to show up because it's believe scary. me, if I get sued and everybody else gets sued, who do you think I'm calling to say settle the damn cases, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's. But I. But I also just. I. I just. There needs to be this genuine authenticity that's coming out. Yeah. I realize there's things you can't say because you don't want to cause. But then say that. Like, yeah. here's what I can tell yeah. you. I can yeah. tell you these yeah. things. But, I can apologize okay. for these things. I, I hear you both. I hear you both. But like, and I feel like I'm just the guy taking the other side on this one. Hulk. Which, nope, doesn't bother me in the least. But <laughs> like, honestly, NARS doing what they're. Look, if I, as a leader in wherever I live, USA, am waiting on NAR to tell me how to run my brokerage on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm out of business. NAR is doing what they're supposed to do by fighting the cases, getting ready, hopefully for a settlement, because we've talked about that. Yeah. Like, and every state is different, right? Some have buyer broker agreements, some don't. Some have one, but it's never been used. Like, Absolutely. Well, I'm just saying that in, that's the conversation we should be having, Keith, to be yeah. clear. That's yeah. all I'm saying is Maybe, that people- but like, I've never waited for NAR, ever. NAR right. is a great political action committee that can go into courts and fight for me. Awesome. Keep doing that. The rest of the stuff you do, like if you're listening respectfully, I don't care that much. I'm going to win in my local market and I'm going to operate as a business leader. And you take care of the governmental stuff that I can't influence or impact, which is what they're doing. And like, I guess I agree with you. Yes. Could NAR do more? Of course. But if, if anyone in the industry, not named NAR is hearing this, don't wait. Just I'm not need. saying necessarily that they yeah, need to either. do more. I think they're yeah. doing a yeah. huge amount. What I'd like to see is them talking, like talk a little, brag a little bit more. I mean, there's so many misconceptions right now. There's one of the, let's not get too deep in the comment sections because <laughs> zombie times, I keep bringing up zombies, but oh my God. But all, there's so many misconceptions about NAR, what they do, what they don't do, their value. I want them to be shouting from the rooftops because we need them. And I don't know that the industry understands how much they are doing. There was one comment, and this is, I, I know we're getting over time here, but I saw one comment. Somebody said, hey, you know, stop, you know, stop saying NAR is not doing anything. Do you have any idea of the lobbying even recently with, um, you know, independent contractors, I think was one. And the other one was uh, uh, um, essential workers during COVID. And the response was, oh, yeah, but those are easy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I know right. we have to we got to wrap the show, but I'll just leave this one comment on there. You know, I think what it comes down to, Keith, I'm not you're not disagreeing with you and I'm I'm not referencing the local market. I'm just explaining, you know, it goes to this comment you made, Jessica, about PR. Yeah. I would rather see a non-scripted video from the president of NAR that's not with music and okay, everything else. Sure, but when well, is the last finish. time? Nar no, but NAR's never done that. Well, that's the point we're trying to, at least I'm trying to make, is I, I want to see the president of NER leave testifying in front of Congress and get on Twitter with a video that's like, just left Congress, we fought, this is what we're doing, you know, Mitch McConnell fell asleep at the podium, it was awkward, like whatever <laughs> it might be, but just... Just like no somehow starting to get the more. world is going to say, go to Facebook live right after your Senate hearing. None. And Zero. That's, no, the, that's I mean, it's a hard spot. But yeah, but truly, yeah. I think I think, you know, 
I'm Pollyanna. I just want to see change because I, I believe in what they're doing. I want to. So. I want to see. I want to see more noise. I want to see more face-to-face -face noise. I yeah. again, I agree with what you both are saying. I, they can do more, and they should be doing more. Um, I just think the other side doesn't get mentioned as much as it should yeah. uh, in the public discourse. All yeah, right, last question. We'll, we'll wrap yeah. on this. Okay. Given all we've talked about, uh, yeah. if you were a real estate agent or a broker today, what's the one thing? Can't be three, can't be two. One thing you would do, change, or add to your business today to prepare you for the next 12 to 18 months. Okay, so I'm going to come back at you because I need I need you to, it, if I'm a broker, it's one thing, and if I'm an agent, it's another okay. thing. Okay, fair. Two, two. Yep, two, go. go. Broker, then agent. Go. Okay, so if I'm a broker, uh, first of all, I am working with my um, advocacy ties, state, local, national association to ensure that no matter what happens, we have in place a mortgage product that allows for buyer compensation to be wrapped into it. That Amen. hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And we, speaking of making noise, we yes. need that. So brokers yes. tap into those advocacy channels that you have and make noise about that because consumers need brokers they need buyer representation. We are facing an ecosystem where buyers and our consumers are put at great disadvantage and we could be losing some real good agents to good the one. mix. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for agents, educate yourselves on how <laughs> to operate in this new environment. Get your training. Take advantage of every training opportunity that you have. Leading our e-members, we've got stuff. Everybody who belongs to the National Association of Realtors, there is incredible training material there too. What Learn I heard you, what I hear you saying viewers. is, listen to the Real Estate Insiders podcast. That's what I heard. You <laughs> and listen to real estate. Listen to James and Keith yes. every week. Yes. Ultimately, that is that is the final. By the way, um, we'll Subscribe. wrap. Thank, thank you for that. By the way, Jessica, I'll, I'll give you that twenty that I said I promised you later. Yeah. Um, so for the I promotion, want a dirty martini. That's yeah. Funny. There you go. Done. Um, Done. So there's a really great document that we'll uh, we'll link up to in our in our show that NER came out with. Um, it's the 179 things an agent does on the buy side. For those of you who haven't seen it, really encourage you to read it. Take that thing, print it, digitize it. I don't care what you do, but take that with your meetings with buyers to help them understand. Uh, the work involved. Jessica, thank you for being here. Yeah, I love you. were awesome. You, you were great. It's awesome. Uh, I know our listeners and viewers will appreciate it. We love hearing these updates and the transparency. And uh, uh, we look forward to having you back on the show in the near future. So. I would love to be back. Thanks, you guys. This was a ton of fun. And I love your podcast. Everybody who's listening, thanks for, thanks for being with us through the show. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks again. It's our job to say out loud what everybody's only thinking to themselves. It's your job to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode.